The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on June twenty second, 2014, based on 1 Kings 22, verses 10 through 14. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our heart in God's truth is 1 Kings chapter 22. The text will be read later on as we get a little bit of background to help us understand it better. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. In the world today, it's hard to know what the truth is. So many times the truth just seems to change. Think about political truths that change with every news cycle fluctuating as a different spin is put on the story. Commercial truths declare that this product will be the next new thing only to become tomorrow's fading fad. Remember Beanie Babies, Tickle Me Elmo's, or Cabbage Patch Dolls? Even scientific truths change. And maybe in our modern world, that's considered the most real thing, is what science can prove. And yet the reason science continues to do experiments is to disprove the current theory so that they can advance their knowledge. For the scientist, scientific knowledge is constantly evolving, changing. And maybe if we just zero in on one aspect of science about human health, we see just how how quickly truths can change with the next headline. It's hard to know what's good for you or what's not anymore. Is it any wonder that the world today, like Pilate of old, scoffs, what is truth? Is there anything we can trust with absolute sureness? Yet less than 24 hours before Pilate spoke those words, Jesus prayed for his disciples and said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Yes, dear Christian friends, trust God's word, his word, stands firm. That's the theme we want to focus here on today. And from the events recorded in 1 Kings chapter 22, we see illustrated that God's word stands firm, undaunted by lies and undiminished in truth. Those are the two parts today. First of all, let's get a little bit of background to the events of 1 Kings 22. And really to understand what's happening here, we have to go back about 80 years earlier. A very significant time in Israel's history was at the death of King Solomon. Under King Saul, King David, and King Solomon, Israel was a united monarchy. But after King Solomon died, the northern tribes revolted against his son and formed their own kingdom. 
David's family line through Solomon and his sons continued to reign in Jerusalem, but only over Judah. The other tribes, the northern tribes, followed different kings. And so now, as the text unfolds here, we see two kings. We see King Jehoshaphat, who is from King David's line. He reigns in Jerusalem over Judah. He's the king of Judah. And then we have King Ahab, who rules over the northern tribes as the king of Israel. His wife's name was Jezebel, and his capital was Samaria. Now, King Ahab wants to go to war against Aram. Some years earlier, Aram had captured one of the cities of Israel, and now Ahab wants to take that city back. And he invites King Jehoshaphat to come along with him in this campaign. Now, as a God-fearing king, Jehoshaphat wants to consult the Lord. Ahab, though, was not a God-fearing king. And yet, in order to satisfy King Jehoshaphat, he has a bunch of prophets come out. And all of these prophets prophesy victory for Ahab. Jehoshaphat realizes that these are not prophets of the Lord. And so he asks if there is a prophet of the Lord still in Israel. And Ahab says, yes, there's one. His name is Micaiah, but Ahab hates him. Because Micaiah never prophesied anything good about him, only bad. But in order to please King Jehoshaphat, Ahab has Micaiah brought in. And this is where we pick up with the text here. The leader of the false prophet, Zedekiah, is prophesying, and soon we'll hear from Micaiah as well. 1 Kings 22, verse 10. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them, Now Zedekiah, son of Kineanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said. For the Lord will give it into the king's hands. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to them, said to him, Look, as one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Now, what do we learn from this here? What do we learn? We see how the lies of this world try to penetrate our hearts and to discourage us from standing firm with God's truth. There's five things we want to note here about these lies. First of all, see how appealing they are. Who doesn't want to hear promises of earthly success and and, and happiness? Secondly, they're popular. All the prophets were saying the same thing here. In fact, they even wanted to include Micaiah as long as he didn't contradict them. 
Thirdly, they carry authority. King Ahab, the highest authority of the land, was in favor of what these prophets were saying. Fourthly, we see that they are well communicated. Did you notice the visual aid the false prophet Zedekiah used? He made horns out of iron to just illustrate how victorious King Ahab would be. And finally, and this is probably the most deceptive of all, they claim that they are speaking in the name of the Lord. And the word they use here is not the generic word for Lord or God, but it is the word, the one word in Hebrew that refers to the Lord, the God of Israel, Jehovah, Yahweh, the only true God. Yes, the lies of this world try to discourage and dishearten us by coming at all us in all these different ways. So dear Christian friends, be on your guard. Be on your guard against these various ways that the lies of the world try to infiltrate our hearts. Don't believe a message simply because it's appealing. For you see, the sinful nature within us likes to twist the way we feel and get us to think, well, this must be true because it makes so much sense to me or it feels right to me. The sinful nature within us twists our feelings to run after whatever scratches our itching ears. And don't believe a message simply because it's popular. And I'm not just referring to worldly popularity alone. A message isn't necessarily true just because a lot of churches say that this is the right thing to do. That alone doesn't determine whether it's God's truth or not. Don't believe a message because it's backed up by some authority. Whether that's an earthly authority like King Ahab was, or even if that's an authority in the church, just because a respected or scholarly church leader says this is the truth, again, that doesn't make it so. Don't believe a message simply because it's well communicated. The lies of this world can be presented in a very enticing, charismatic way with, with visual aids and, and, and all those other things that aren't wrong, but they don't make the message true, no matter how enticing it may sound. And finally, don't believe a message simply because it claims to come from God. If you think back to the gospel reading today, Jesus himself warned us against that, didn't he? He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. Yes, the lies of this world try to package themselves in so many deceptive ways. Don't let them penetrate your heart. Don't let them discourage or dishearten you. Rather think of Micaiah here and look at how he responded. He told that messenger, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him, Ahab, only what the Lord tells me. God's word stands firm, undaunted by the lies of this world.
And as that word fills our hearts, dear friends, like Micaiah, we too can stand undaunted by the lies of this world. But how? How do we know what God's word really is saying? We talked about those five different ways that don't tell us for sure what the truth is. So how can we know what God's truth is? And you know the answer to that already. God wants us to be sure of what he says, so he had it written down for us. That's what the Bible is. God's written word, written down for you and me to know and believe. And yet the world attacks that with the lie that says, but how can you know what the Bible says? That Bible is unclear. It's too hard to understand. But before you give in to that lie, before you let that lie discourage you and dishearten you, think of what they are really saying. If the Bible is God's word, and the Bible is unclear like they claim, doesn't that make God some sort of bumbling communicator? Someone who doesn't even know how to use language properly to convey to us this most important message of all our eternal salvation? That's not the kind of God we have. His word is clear. And the reason that people may think it is unclear, the reason that so many different interpretations seem to float out around in the different churches has nothing to do with the clarity of the Bible, but rather with the cloudiness of our own sinful, fallen minds. In a way, you can think of it this way. God's word is like the sun. It shines. It shines brightly. It's clear. Just like we heard in in the verse from the psalm, it's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. But our sinful minds are like the clouds. Just look outside today. You can't clearly see the sun at all. But that doesn't mean the sun isn't shining clearly and brightly. It's the clouds. It's our sinful thinking that can make it blurry for us. So how can we see God's truth clearly? Well, two key thoughts here, and very connected thoughts. We see God's truth clearly as we read it and as we study it together with our fellow believers. But you see, it is through the word that the Holy Spirit penetrates our cloudy minds and opens up our hearts to know and to believe what our God says. And so we want to read his word. We want to take it into our hearts, thinking about it, pondering it, meditating on it. And we don't want to do this just by ourselves, as important as that is. We also want to do it with our fellow believers because By ourselves, at times, we can, in a sense, put our blinders on and only focus on one part, and that's where our fellow believers help us to see the big picture. That's why we have a pastor that's thoroughly trained in God's Word so that we can see the big picture even as we study a small part of it. That's why we come together in worship here and not only have the Scriptures read, but also proclaimed and preached 
It's not so that you believe what the pastor says. He's not some sort of authority that tells you what's true or not. The job of the pastor is to show you what God has already clearly said in his word so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you believe it and stand firm on it, undaunted by the lies of this world. Yes, just as God's word stands firm, so also as that word fills your heart, you too stand firm, undaunted by the world's lies, just as Micaiah did. For you see, he did indeed follow through on what he said to that messenger. He didn't join in with the other prophets telling uh, the king what he wanted to hear. He spoke God's truth. For God's word stands firm, undiminished in its truth. Now, Micaiah made it clear that not only would Israel lose if they went to war, but Ahab himself would be killed in that battle. And what did Micaiah receive for speaking God's truth? Well, first of all, that false prophet Zedekiah, the one who had made those iron horns, he slapped Micaiah and then accused Micaiah of being the false prophet. And secondly, King Ahab threw Micaiah into prison. But that's not all Ahab did. He did his best to prove God's word wrong. He wanted to undo the truth, you might say. But we'll see that God's word stood firm, undiminished in truth. Yes, Ahab took to heart this thought that, well, the king might get killed in battle here. So he disguised himself. He didn't dress as the king. Oh, he let Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, go into battle with his royal robes. But Ahab disguised himself as just a regular soldier. And at first, the ruse appeared to work. The chariot commanders of Aram pursued King Jehoshaphat, thinking he was the king of Israel. But eventually they realized their mistake. And in the meantime, a seemingly random arrow penetrated Ahab's armor, and he bled to death. God's word stands firm, undiminished in truth. And the same is true today. Despite the raging of the world around us, God's word stands firm, undiminished in truth. And what does God's word what is the truth that it speaks to our hearts? It's a twofold truth that God wants us to take to heart. First of all, the truth of God's law. The truth that convicts and condemns us as the sinners that we are. And just, just consider how we have sinned just in this area of the way we treat God's word. How often haven't we neglected God's word, letting the other things of this life crowded out of our hearts or crowded out of the times that we would like to be spending with God's word? How we conform to the thinking of this world rather than holding our minds captive to God's word. How often we fail to speak God's word 
because we're afraid of what others might think. Yeah, it is not like we might be thrown into prison like Micaiah. We're just afraid of what others will think. We deserve God to take away his word from us and leave us in death and damnation. Just think of how we would treat someone who treated us the way we treated God and his word. We'd cut them off. We'd leave them behind. But dear friends, God's ways so far above our ways. Yes, let God's word, his law, touch your heart and crush your heart. Do not diminish its force. Do not try to diminish it by saying, well, you know, I'm just a regular human being. No. God's word, his law, crushes our hearts. But that's not where it stops. That's not where the truth of God stops, is it? God's ways are so far beyond our ways. And we see this in his dealing with Ahab. We see his patience. If we had looked in detail at the chapters coming before this, we'd see this is not the first time the Lord sent a prophet to speak his word to Ahab. Again and again the Lord had called out to Ahab. Yet Ahab kept on turning away from the Lord. And yet the Lord still sent Micaiah once again. Even though the Lord knew that Ahab would again reject the message. And with that same patience, the Lord deals with us. He has not taken his word away from us yet. We have Bibles all around us. And they bring to us that best news of all. For this is what God's truth says to our crushed hearts. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Yes, he gave you Jesus as the sacrifice for your sins. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is the truth. And don't diminish God's love for you by thinking, how could God love someone like me? Those words must just be for someone else. Take to heart God's truth. Take to heart that undiminished truth that proclaims his love, his grace to you. Through faith in Jesus, you have eternal life. What a truth to stand firm on. Believe. God's word. For unlike all the other truths of this world that change from day to day, God's word stands firm. Stand firm on that truth. Stand firm, trusting it with all your heart. For God's word is the absolute truth. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.